0: Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And the second reading is from Luke 4, 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be all yours. Jesus answered, It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourselves down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord.
1: It's good to see so many of you here today, and a little nerve (laughs) wracking. So our topic for Lent, um, our overall theme is holy hardships. Hardship is something that we generally tend to avoid, at least I do. I'm rather averse to pain and suffering. Right now I'm allergies and the eyes are itchy and I hate it. I don't like when my body doesn't work right. My heart beats irregularly all the time. My neck is causing me pain or sometimes relationships put a rock in my gut or a tightness in my chest that I just can't get rid of. Sometimes my adult children, whom I love dearly and carry with me, struggle with physical illness or emotional trauma or turmoil, and I hate it. When people around the world suffer from war or racism, illness, hunger, violence, These are all things I'd rather not experience, rather not see, rather not know about. And I don't want to speak for you, but at least for me, times of hardship and trial, when I'm in the midst of struggle or questioning, I'm very vulnerable to stray from what I know is true, from the true priorities of God's plan. And these are the times that I'm most likely to make a poor decision or to fall into what we call temptation. I'm not that good at dealing with bad stuff, okay? So as I preach and try to talk boldly about what I know God can do and who I know God is, um, I need you to know that it's a struggle for me too. And I am not the role model, thank God Jesus is. Hardship is an opportune time as the end of our passage said. It's an opportune time for temptation or for falling away, but it's also an opportune time for growth, for seizing the day, perhaps. Um, We can find ourselves drawn closer to Christ who does want to gather us up. He does want to cover us. He does want to be with us in all of it. And that takes sacrifice and that takes discipline. So here we are on the first Sunday of Lent, and we're going to think about pain and suffering for like the next six weeks. The Lenten season is, as Rebecca said, a rhythm in the church year when we can reflect on and maybe even personally engage in some hardship. Some of us will give up something that we really enjoy or something we rely on a little too much for peace of mind. Or we might take on a new spiritual discipline such as fasting or more scripture study or more diligent prayer. Uh, maybe meditation or mindfulness exercises. We do all of this because we are asked to identify with Jesus in his suffering on his way to the cross. Jesus experienced incredible difficulties, like this temptation in the wilderness that we just read about. And all through it all, he modeled to his disciples and to us what it would look like to obey God purposefully. Jesus shows us how hardship can be used by God to continue to bear God's holy image, and that's why we're gonna call it Holy Hardships. Lent is about self-examination and confession and facing our own mortality, you know, from dust you are and to dust you shall return. And this year we have the added advantage of just coming off the book, a study on the book of Ecclesiastes, where we were reminded so bluntly by Pastor Andrew that the things and ambitions of this life are but a vapor compared to what is eternal and what God's plan is in the world. It is a season where we can prepare ourselves for the glory of the eternal by becoming more Christ-like and practicing godly living now, even in and especially in the hardships of life. We know for a fact that we will experience pain and trials and tests of all kinds. We know life is not easy, actually it rarely is. And you know, Jesus never promised that it would be. He, did, he told his followers that he was calling them to a life where they would have no home and no place to lay their heads. So we don't need to be surprised when these things happen. And Luke, the writer of the passage we are focusing on today and in his companion book of Acts, has numerous stories where the spirit is present and fills people and there are still trials and uncertainties and jail time and stonings and lots of wilderness. So as we focus on the life of Jesus in these next six weeks of Lent leading up to Easter, we're gonna look at how Jesus navigated and responded to the hardships in his life. How he showed his continuing and growing love for God and for others in his world throughout all of the hardships that he faced. He modeled for us what it means to have holy hardships. Today we look specifically at Jesus' temptation in the desert. In different contexts in scripture, the Greek word for temptation can be interpreted as a test, a trial, an experiment or temptation. So I was kind of being more broad and thinking of trials, not just the temptation to have another donut. Spiritually, one of the richest images we have for hardship is this image of the desert. Um, we know in the Old Testament, you know, Moses led the people through the desert. And we know Ezekiel was for a while in the desert, like different people in the Bible. And this experience of the desert is a time of hardship. Today in our gospel passage that Kendrick read for us, we encounter Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, which is important, but nonetheless in the desert. And this is the first major hardship that is recorded in the gospels in Jesus' life. The text tells us he was in the desert for 40 days without eating. I invite you to study this fresco with me, which was painted in eight, 1480 to 1492 sometime it is located in the Sistine Chapel in Rome at the Vatican. This painting depicts all three temptations of Jesus that are recorded in the gospels. In the upper left corner Jesus who has been fasting is tempted by the devil in the guise of a hermit to turn stones into bread. Kind of small up there those rocks. In the second scene of the temptation in the upper right the devil has taken Jesus to a high mountain where he shows him the beauties of the earth. The devil promises Jesus power over the whole domain if he will just deny God and bow down to worship Satan. And in the third temptation, in the center top of the picture, the devil has carried Jesus to the top of the temple in Jerusalem, represented by the Roman chapel. It's in the Roman chapel of Santa Maria. The devil tempts Jesus to challenge God's promise that he will be protected by angels. Just throw yourself down. We're going to take a closer look at each of these temptations through the eyes of a few artists over the centuries and cultures. And thank you to Rebecca for suggesting these pieces for me and for all of us. As well, we will hear insights that I've gleaned from various Bible scholars so that we can learn from Jesus and from his word. We can be challenged and encouraged to be more like Jesus and find hope in Christ as we face trials of many kinds on a daily basis. And there's one more thing as background before we dive in. Um, Right before this in Luke chapter two um, is when it's recorded that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. And we know at that baptism, a voice from heaven said, you are my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. So Jesus has just experienced, has just come off of his baptism, this great confirmation of who he was. He knew what he was here to do. He knows his whole identity, his whole purpose. And even in human form, he knows he is God's very loved son sent to do God's very special plan to save God's people. So when Satan says, if you are the son of God, he's really probably saying, well, since you are the son of God, because there is no doubt in Jesus' mind, or in Satan's mind, really, of who Jesus was and still is. So now to the first temptation. Kendrick read, he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, or since you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. This is clearly a time of physical hunger and some level of suffering that we might call a hardship. So what happens with Jesus and how does he handle it? He is hungry and there's no question about the fact that Jesus has the power to provide bread for himself. Satan says, since you are the son of God, he knows he can get what he wants and what he actually needs to be healthy and to stay well. Later, he turns water into wine. Jesus heals sick. He casts out demons. And he even tells his disciples that if a son asks his father for bread, no good father would give him a stone. So Satan and Jesus know that he could get bread from stones just by asking because God is good and would give him bread. But even though Jesus is really hungry after so long a fast, there is another sense in which he is full. He is full of the realization that he is loved by God. He is full of the Spirit of God. He is full of his own strong desire to complete God's plan for salvation. So he does not use his superpower to help himself, to take care of himself, or to make himself more comfortable. To do God's will and follow God's plan to save others, Jesus could not, did not save himself. He had to give himself up, even to death on a cross. And we know there's nothing good about hunger and there's nothing bad about bread. Thank goodness. Jesus does teach us to pray and give us today our daily bread. But Jesus is also able to lift his mind to the grander arc of God's work in the world and to see beyond his immediate need. He answered, it is written, we do not live on bread alone. Jesus trusts the word of God and the work of God. Actually, Jesus is the word of God and the work of God in the world. And he knows that word and that work intimately and deeply, and he is committed to live in it. Temptation number two. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all the authority and splendor It has been given to me, you know, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it'll all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This scene of the temptation of Christ comes from an initiative in the 1970s to help teach the gospel in northern Cameroon. I think it's pronounced Mafa project. Um, created a catalog of more than 70 paintings illustrating the life of Jesus as an African man in order to teach the people there about the Bible in a way that would connect with their community. This temptation has something to do with asking Jesus to conform to the world's expectations of what a Messiah will be and do. Instead of allowing his life and behavior to be an example A different kind of example of service for all of us to follow and we know and Jesus knows and Satan knows he already is the king of kings and lord of lords and prince of peace and all that all those things right but the devil wants Jesus to abuse that power for his own glory and in his own way and kind of in his own time instead of in God's way for God's purpose the offer is to claim that kingship that is rightfully his anyway without suffering, without dying, without waiting. Wouldn't that be nice? Take a shortcut, get to the end quicker. Tempting, right? Again, Jesus chose to obey and rely on the care and the way of God. He knows his father's will. Jesus chose to surrender himself as a servant to the plan of God and to follow God's will, even if it meant terrible suffering and shameful death on a cross. So when we experience times of unease or disease, disease or trial or hardships, yes, that's when we're most likely to give in to this temptation to take care of ourselves first, you know, eat the bread and take things into our own hands and get them done our way with the minimal amount of suffering possible. I know I can get very impatient in these times. I want my doctor to give me a pill that will fix this. I want my adult children to know they should just do yada, yada, yada and X, Y, Z and this would all be fine. I want action. I want the wars to stop. Last night I was like, why don't we just send in our best snipers and get rid of the guy? I'm like, this is terrible. I'm a Mennonite, I believe in peace. (laughs) So like, it's hard this temptation this sin is real Um, we have to keep on like the waiting and the listening and the loving over time and the sacrificing and the constant encouraging and the being patient it's so hard and so we have to keep practicing we have to discipline ourselves to remember and live into who Christ is and who I am in Christ and who it is that I am following and I have to practice and remind myself and keep asking and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And how do I do this? Well, I do it by worshiping with you every Sunday morning, for sure. By being involved in a small group. By, Lord, help me trying to get some scripture into my day. Um, to do, doing yoga and using it as a time to really focus on Jesus and meditation when I'm breathing. Um... And so, like all the different ways, but we need to practice, we need to really be diligent and think about how can we worship the Lord our God every day, all week long, so that we can be girded up and strong to keep ready, be ready to resist when these trials and temptations come along. And so Jesus answered this temptation, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And now I lost my place. And for the third temptation, excuse me, these allergies are real too. The devil led Jesus to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, or since we know you are the Son of God, go ahead, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands, and you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. This artwork is from the book of Kellis, I think it's pronounced. It is is an illuminated manuscript of the Gospels, believed to be created in a monastery in Ireland, Scotland, or England, right around 800 A.D., The book is a masterpiece of calligraphy using the practice of illumination, putting texts into words, and it's on display today in Trinity College in Dublin. In this temptation, Jesus is atop a shingled roof, in this picture, um, temple resembling an Irish shrine. He's protected by angels above and around, and there's a little smaller black-winged figure of Satan on the right with the cloven feet and the twisted tongue. Satan uses Jesus's own scripture strategy against him on this one, telling him to jump from the temple and have the angels come and save him. Think of the attention that would garner. Yes, we know God can and does save and protect us over and over again. And I certainly believe that God's angels are watching over and guarding those I love and me and you. But that does not mean that we act foolishly, impulsively, or put our lives in danger to force God's hand or to put God to a test. Again, Jesus knows who he is and whose he is, and he surrenders to the plan and the purpose of God. Ultimately, we'll see later in um, Luke, that he is hanging on a cross and while he is suffering and dying he hears the scoffing of the people below him he saved others let him save himself if he's the Christ come down from there save yourself Jesus had already decided way back in the desert that he would not insist on divine guarantee against suffering or even against death and he carried out his divine mission in the world He said, his answer to Satan was, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So in each of these reflections, these temptations throughout Jesus' life, and especially in the events surrounding the crucifixion, Jesus lives by the word of God and by doing the will of God. He accepts the cup at Gethsemane. He rejects the ways of the kingdoms of the world by opposing attempts to protect himself with swords or violence. He resists temptation to save himself by casting himself down from the cross. The spirit-filled life that Jesus lived was a life that was unconditionally surrendered to God regardless of the outcome. So when we translate temptation in the tug we feel to have another Girl Scout cookie, they're in abundance in our house right now, or the inclination to sleep in instead of getting up and going to that meeting, or following some other desire that we ought not. And those are things, obviously, that are part of what we wrestle with on a daily basis. But these trials and temptations are more than that. Even good things can be part of a trap that we find ourselves in. The temptations Jesus experienced involve good things that come from God. There's nothing wrong with comfort food or keeping yourself healthy and meeting your needs. There's nothing wrong with being in a position of leadership and power. And there's nothing wrong with protecting yourself and others. Yet each of these, when they become the sole focus of our lives, can lead us away from our deepest identity, our deepest calling, our relationship with God. And so, as we enter this season of Lent, this time of temptation and trial that Jesus endured on our behalf serves as context. It both reminds us of why the incarnation and cross are necessary, and it becomes a source of strength for us. We too can be filled with the Holy Spirit and call on that Spirit to make us more like Christ, able to resist temptation. We too can commit ourselves to disciplines that help us to know the spirits infilling, and to know the scriptures, the word of God. We too can sacrifice and trust that God's word and work are true. We can deny the devil and his shortcuts and pursue the wisdom and the way of God. I'll um, be near the end with a poem. This is by J. Jonda. He was a priest and a mystic pilgrim for most of his 74 years and died in 2010. Not to know or to forget that my deepest desire is to do God's will, that I am rooted in Christ, is blindness. To deny that my deepest desire is to do God's will, to deny that I am rooted in Christ, is a lie delusion, is darkness, is belief in nothing, is death. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus invites us to live fully engaged, to think through the implications of our actions as well as our intentions. He encourages us to meet hardships of this world wrapped in the word confident that we are beloved children of God, and certain in the presence of the Spirit with us always. And as an addendum, during the Lenten season, um, Christians often make an intentional effort to spend additional time pondering and reflecting and considering Jesus' suffering and death. So if you need a tactile reminder to slow down and pause and meditate I encourage you to pick up a nail and we're going to have a pot in the back with some nails, the big heavy kind and you can um, carry it with you in your pocket or keep it on your table or your desk or your mirror, wherever it is that you'll see it regularly or touch it frequently during the season of Lent as a frequent reminder and a call to meditate and to pray and to remember the crucifixion of Christ his triumph over death of course and our daily work to join in his redemption and be the people of God to the world
0: around us. Thank you.